How are you doing? Oh, you know, I am so good. How are you? <laughs> doing great. Top of the world. Top of the world. <laughs> Top of the world to you. Uh, <laughs> Top of the morning to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is going to be an episode. Um, <laughs> this is Trip It To Me, a travel-centric podcast. Today, we're going to... We're going to talk about, well, we're going to talk about places that we've been, and the other person's going to ask some questions about it, and the person who's been there is going to answer them. Yeah. <laughs> sounds so poetic. <laughs> going to ask some questions. We're going to get some answers. We might ask some follow-up questions. Here's the deal, we might everybody. We get some answers. We're, we're usually pretty honest with you and with each other. We were going to do the Diaz for wherever we decide to go itineraries this week, but it's been a hell of a week, and, <laughs> yep. and we're not doing that right now. Um, uh-huh. we, we would rather do them when we feel like we can put in proper time and effort and fun into them. We're, so, we're so, tired, everybody. Yes, we're yeah. tired. Among other things. <laughs> so... Uh-huh. so we're, we're not doing that, and we're doing, uh, frankly, a topic I'm pretty excited about. We'll see how it goes. Maybe we'll do it again in the future. Uh, last time we did something like this was Debate It To Me, and that was a lot of fun. So It was a lot of fun. So, hopefully this will be, at the very least, a lot of fun. <laughs> I have a feeling it will be. I think I'm so, sneaking too. Sneaking suspicion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think and, so, too. Um, speaking of my sneaking suspicion, okay. what are you drinking, Andrew? Wait, why? What was that segue? <laughs> <laughs> well, my sneaking suspicion is that we're going to have a lot of fun because I oh, know okay, what's okay. in our glasses. Okay. And so I just want you to tell everyone else what's in your glass. What are you drinking? Uh, well, I am drinking... My first drink is a Mai Tai, um, which I made uh, and was excited to make. Made it all, shook it up in my brand new shaker uh, that I got for Christmas. Thanks, Dad. And poured it out, took it in here, went back for a secondary drink, as we do, Mm -hmm. as one does, and as we Mm -hmm. do. Then realized I didn't put any lime juice in there. Oh, um, no. And then frantically searched all over the place for more lime juice. And there was none in my house. So oh. there's a lot of orange juice in my Mai Tai. And um, it, it, uh, to somehow uh, substitute for lime juice. I, okay. We'll see. We'll see what it tastes like. I'll try yeah. it right now even. Uh, okay. Oh, go my God. Uh, the coaster fell. <laughs> oh, okay. It was just the coaster. That's fine. The coaster will be fine. <laughs> I'm so sorry, everybody. Shelby, what are you drinking? Did the coaster do that thing where it stuck to the bottom because of the precipitation? Yeah. And then the yeah. condensate. Yeah. And it happens yeah. more and more on this podcast. Yeah, a lot. Um, this is I not bad, a... by the way. Okay, that's good. Yeah. It's a lot your of orange face, juice. Your face said, yeah, this is okay. Yeah. I was yeah. pleasantly surprised, and I think that's because I haven't had, I haven't drank orange juice in a while. Because mm, mm. it tastes like orange juice with a lot of rum, which is basically what it is at this point. And that's basically what I'm drinking. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a, a tropical fruit uh, juice, and I've got um, a shit ton of rum in here. So, um, it's what we got tonight. It's, it's just it's, it's ooh, what we're working what with. What a night. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How's it taste? Not good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The proportions are maybe a bit off. Yeah. Um, I do admit, um, usually rum and tropical fruit juice. I'm a huge fan because it's basically a Mai Tai. Um, but, uh, when over half of it is rum, I think you probably lose a little bit of that. I, I would guess so. Yeah, I would guess so. I'm not, I'm not like a mixologist or anything, but I would guess so. Yeah, I would guess so. Yeah. Like I can smell the rum from here, so. What's your favorite, uh, blended drink? Mm. Mmm. Um. I could go for a pina colada right now yeah that sounds great yeah sounds I mean, a I lot better a... than what we're drinking uh-huh yep i love me a party pineapple yes you do basically it's just rum and pineapple but it's mm-hmm. fresh pineapple um i also like a like a, a blended like margarita that's yep. really nice easy to drink it is tastes, it goes down tastes smooth like tastes choices. great yeah uh i like i like margaritas on the rocks a little bit more Mm. But, but I mean, I I'll take it. Just just yeah. pour me one. Yeah. Uh huh. I found when out when I was. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh please, go ahead. When I was working in a winery in Western New York State in Fredonia, um, a lot of the wineries in summertime would do wine slushies. Mm. Um, and I I'm not gonna say that I liked them. <laughs> I'm going to say that they got the job done. <laughs> yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I've stumbled upon a few of my favorite YouTube videos recently, which Seth Meyers has a, a late night show. And I'm not a huge like fan of the show in general, but he has a segment that's called Day Drinking with Seth, and then he has a celebrity. <laughs> And, Excellent. And uh, Melissa and I watched all of them, probably an hour and a half's worth of videos uh, last night. And it was wonderful. <laughs> the most recent one, I think right before Christmas, was with Lizzo. And it was, it was delightful. 17 minutes. I would love minutes. to day drink with Lizzo. Yeah. I would love to day drink with both of them after watching that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> There's a Lord one for all you New Zealanders out there, and it is the mm-hmm. worst one. It is. I, I believe she, that. Does she have the personality of like a wet sandwich? Um, I think it might be worse. Oh. Like, why does she? How is it worse? It's not as interesting as a wet sandwich. Oh. At least wet sandwich. Yeah. Maybe. At least there's something to say about a wet yeah. sandwich. Like you. Yep. She. I, what? What happened to her? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Me neither. I she moved away from New Zealand. You think that? I don't know. That, I mean, that might be it. She right? I mean, it could also it could just be like drugs, but mm, I don't know. Could be. Could be. Yeah. Anyway, hmm. <laughs> there you go, everybody. Well, oh. um, in hey. other news, yeah. um, as we sit here recording, my window <clears throat> is open. And um, my desk faces so that I'm I'm looking out my window, and um, my neighbor's window is is open, and it um, shows their TV, and so my my neighbor is watching um, The Crown. Wonderful. And I'm thinking it's probably like in the first or second season. 
because there's a pretty young Matt Smith. And um, I don't know if anybody finds that interesting. Andrew, have you watched The Crown? I have not. I, I think I think I'd probably be into it. Yeah. Um, let, let's play a fun game. Okay. I if I remember right, there's an actress I like that's in The Crown in the first few seasons, uh-huh. but I don't remember the actress. Um, do you okay. know who that actress is? <laughs> Uh, does she play the sister? I, I don't, I, I've never seen the show. I don't know. Uh, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Is this hold fun on. to listen to, anybody? Email it's us. fun for me. Email us at tripitoomey at gmail.com. I, I'll... You said it's in the, she's in the first few seasons? I, I don't know. That, Shelby, I've got to be honest. There's a <laughs> 75% chance you're going to name her. And I still oh, won't know who it is. Oh. But there's that 25% chance that... Well, you like Olivia Coleman. Oh, I love Olivia Coleman. That's probably who um, I'm thinking of. Probably. I think there's a she... young actor, actress, too, who's in mm. it that I like. But, but oh, Olivia Coleman's amazing. Yeah. Love her. Shout out. Um, Is it uh, Vanessa Kirby? She plays yeah. Princess Margaret. You, you got yeah. them both. I wow. knew it. You did I so good. Uh huh. Incredible. As soon as you said that, I was like, "It's whoever plays Margaret." Mm. So that's been the Crown oh. Minute with Shelby and Andrew. Wow. Um, I feel like that really redeems me a bit in the um, guessing colors of the hat category because that doesn't really mean anything. But in this, it means, hey, I actually, I actually really know your tastes and and you know and i could i could guess this so yeah, you're I know doing things. great yeah thank you we've got a lot to talk about but before we do i want to try out a new segment if that's okay okay <laughs> okay um lately i go through spells on facebook where it's like this is the worst website in the world yes website a social i don't know whatever you want to call facebook at this point Bang. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. the Platform. maybe the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and other times I think, wow, this is the worst thing in the world and it's making me laugh pretty hard. Um, <laughs> inadvertently, of course. Mm-hmm. N- mm-hmm. Anything that's said seriously on Facebook <clears throat> will either annoy me or make me laugh um, yes. while it's not meaning to. Um, so now I'm going to try out things that make me laugh on Facebook that are serious. Okay, that's good. Uh, this first one, I went to East Valley High School in Yakima, Washington. Uh, that's where I graduated. And this this post was posted on the East Valley High School Facebook page. Oh, I'm excited. Um, the, the, it's almost like a copyright thing. It, it says 3 a.m. thoughts on the bottom is what it what it says. I'm guessing it's not a copyright, but it looks like one of those like trademarked uh, right. slogan things. Uh, again, this is on a high school page. <laughs> I'm not going to get through this. I would love to, but I'm not. <laughs> would you like Pe- me to read it? No, I, I've got it. I can do it. All right. All right. People act like sex. Uh, I said it like that because it is the only word that is all capsed. People right, act okay. like sex is the most important thing in a relationship when actually communication, trust, and commitment are more important. <laughs> I 
<laughs> okay, who just cheated on them? It's just is my question. It's my immediate question. I guess. I, like, I why? I, uh, I, like, I don't understand. This, this is our most mean-spirited segment I've ever thought up. <laughs> but once a day, I think of it. And, uh, and, like, uh, I hope that, that man, yeah, we'll go with that. I hope that man is doing okay. I hope yeah. he's all right. <laughs> but why, why are you oh. posting that on an East Valley High School alumni Facebook page? <laughs> <laughs> Did people so respond? Did yeah. people, like, yeah. oh my God. A lot of, like, why are you posting that here? Like, this is weird. <laughs> I feel like social me- media has made people like like go backwards as far as like social awareness goes. Yeah. Like that is not something you just say to a room of people. So why are you just posting it online? That's that's a great point. I I agree first of all. Mm-hmm. I think it's emboldened probably the wrong people. Yeah. Yeah. In the wrong yeah. ways, at least. Absolutely. I guess I guess emboldened the wrong people is maybe not the right thing to say, but it, it's just given them uh, a space where they don't need to post. Them. I, like I also feel like you're right, though. Like we know that social media like radicalizes people in like extremist yeah. groups. Like, yeah, it does embolden the wrong kind of people. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. In a space where there's, like, no accountability. Yeah, that that's the problem, Yikes. I think. Also, like, who's who's disagreeing with that statement that he put on there? Like, what's the like, point? No, like, no one. That's yeah. the funny thing about Facebook to me, mm-hmm. usually, is that people are, like, putting, like, yeah, of course you're right. Don't act yeah. like this is some deep thought that ever you're that no one's genius. ever had before. Yeah. You know those like clickbait like quizzes where it's like yes. 99% of people can't get all of these 10 questions right yeah. and you're like, "Oh, school. Melissa goes through like phases of loving those right. things. My my grandma does all of them. <laughs> and so I'll you'll just see like, you know, grandma grandma posted this and she'll go, that was so easy. I got all of them. Or I can't believe people don't get them. And like Ben, it's Ben's favorite thing. That's he amazing. It's very funny. He's yeah, like, that's oh, great. grandma's up to it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. I'm like, oh, she has something to do. That's nice. That is nice. Yeah. The, um, the percentage that the first drink, uh, how do I say this? The the amount better? Nope, that's not it. <laughs> the first drink I I made is approximately a thousand times better than the second than the backup drink. Right, right, yeah. approximately. Yeah. yeah. Well, this drink is currently making my eye twitch. So <laughs> I don't think I think it's the lack of sleep, Shelby. No. 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 <laughs> Absolutely been, not. Been so tired lately. Me you? too. So hard to get out of bed. Yeah, and like yeah. I've just been coming home from work and just like having naps. Naps are at great. At like six but o'clock. Not ideal when you at just six yeah, o'clock. yeah, not a great time for it. Not great. <sighs> what have you been doing that is more fun than all of that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think the one that I'm most excited to talk about 
is we watched episode one of The Last of Us. And this is a new series. We're watching it on Neon. I think it might be an HBO show. Yeah, in the HBO States. Max, I believe. Yeah, but here in New Zealand, we're watching it on Neon. And it's based on a video game. And I haven't played the game, so I don't know. I've heard people in our circle of friends who have played the game. And yeah. they are absolutely blown away because the cinematography is... It's like shot for shot is like what you see in the story of the game. So they're really impressed with it because of that continuity between video game and TV. Like storytelling has really translated really well. Uh, It's a zombie show, essentially. It's about, you know, the first scene is scientists on a stage with an interviewer in like the 60s and they're talking about which this is a real thing i guess i I learned that tonight there's a fungus that can take over like an ant's body and basically eats away most of it for nutrition but leaves just enough that the ant can still move and operate and is like barely alive but is still living and uses the ant to get to other ants where they consume and do the same thing over and over again. And the concept is, well, that would never happen to humans, right? And they go, oh, well, no, because currently this this type of fungus, you know, can't survive past 98 degrees Fahrenheit. So unless there's some reason, like global warming, where it would learn to adapt and survive at higher temperatures, it'll never survive in the human body. Fast forward like 50 years and there's an outbreak. And so the first episode kind of sets up, has that that clip at the start and then sets up the main character's backstory. And then you see him in this like post-apocalyptic new city environment where like there's walls, they, they're checking people to see if you're infected, they know more about it, all of those like you know, smugglers and and rebels and and all of that stuff. And so you get invested into his storyline. And I really like it. It has Pedro... Pascal. Hold on. Yes. The Mandalorian himself. Yes. We get to see his face this time. How nice. Uh, he's, He's lovely. It also has... Oh, it has what's your face from? Sorry, I don't remember. Um... No, it's okay. Um, what's her face from Fringe? Give uh, that's me one not going to help second. me. Sorry. <laughs> um, Anna Torv from oh, okay. Fringe. Um, which we both kind of went. Wait, we know her. What do we know her from? And it, yeah, that's that's it. Yeah. And I'm really enjoying it. I was really disappointed that it's a weekly show and there was only one episode to watch. I was ready to like hit it hard and keep going. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So very much looking forward to how this one goes. This is this is up my alley, and, and I told Shelby before we started recording, I'd we'll, I'd watch it with her, uh, or not with her, but weekly as well, and then we can talk about it every week. But um, yeah. it does feel like it's going to be like the thing everyone talks yeah. about once a week, which is right up my alley. Um, yeah. Not so much Shelby, who I, <laughs> I imagine you just would rather watch all. Six or eight oh, or I'm however many. Just a grumpy old lady. <laughs> yes. Yeah, let me binge it. But uh, but I'm excited for the 
cultural phenomenon, I think, mm-hmm. uh, which I which I think it will be. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I didn't, I haven't watched the first one yet, but I'll watch the first two before next week. So yeah. there you go. We have a lot to talk about here, um, because I think we're only releasing one episode this week. So we have a lot to cover. So here we go. I, to probably no one's surprise, I watched five movies this week. <laughs> <coughs> they were all quite good. Uh, I'll start with my least favorite of them, which was okay. bros. Um, a romantic comedy, a gay romantic comedy starring Billy Eichner uh, that came out this fall, or last fall, I guess. Uh, it, it it follows all the romantic comedy tropes, and that's what it amounts to. And uh, I had a nice time. It's, there's, uh, who, how do I say this? I don't love sex scenes in any movie. Um, and it's Fair not enough. because they're gay sex scenes here. It's because there's so many of them. <laughs> um, it has nothing to do with the uh, sexuality involved. It's just that, boy, they did not make this as accessible as, as um, probably some producers wanted them to, I would imagine. <laughs> it is it is a right. lot, especially okay. the first half. Um, right, okay. And uh, it's it's uncomfortable at times. But but there are uh, there are some very funny jokes, very uh, modern pop culture jokes. I think Billy Eichner really, who I, I believe wrote the movie as well. Yeah, he wrote the movie as well as played the lead. Um, he really had a good time making fun of every other gay movie or or phenomenon it seemed like like there are a lot of jokes about Brokeback Mountain or Dallas Buyers Club right. or things like that <laughs> right. and yeah. uh, I think they'll work for some people I don't think they'll work for others um, mm-hmm. that's just that is Billy Eichner's style if you've ever seen Billy on the street or anything like that uh, he, he's abrasive and loud and I find him very funny but I'm sure others don't so um, that's how you, th- that's kind of the gateway. If you don't find it funny, I, I did find it just kind of a nice romantic comedy. Uh, mm-hmm. I talked to, about Ticket to Paradise last week, I think, which is kind of the same thing, but I found this one a little more interesting. And yeah. Did you, did you know that the director, um, they, they directed, uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Have you, have you oh, ever seen that movie? I haven't. Do you like it? Really? I think you'd really like it. Oh, I think okay. you should watch it. I'll yeah. check it out and we can talk okay. about it. Yeah. Okay, good. Good. Great. Good talk. <laughs> um, no, I've seen that movie. I, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, they, uh, there's one scene, um, where him and his, uh, I believe it's his boyfriend at the time, if I'm misremembering, sorry. They're sitting on the beach and having a talk about what confidence in yourself is. And it is one of my favorite, I don't know, top 20 scenes of the year. It is It is really, really good. And I, um, I really enjoyed and appreciated what they had to say. And it, maybe it found me at the right time. Um, that I mean, that's what art is, I guess. Uh, if it finds you at the right time, it can be very powerful. But that is 
that that's what happened here and it was it was very good and if you're on the fence uh admittedly this movie is not for everyone again mostly because of the sex scenes but if you're on the fence about watching it uh i think that that scene itself pushed me over the edge into liking mm. the movie so yeah mm. there you go Wonderful. next thank you well um Currently, I'm remembering that when I was working in here earlier in my office, because I worked from home today, I was watching, I was on the phone, and I was watching a praying mantis crawl out my window on the inside. And so now I'm just wondering where he is. Oh, it's gone. I mean, I'm fine if he's inside. He's little. It's mostly that I just don't want to squish him on accident. Yeah, sure, sure. That's fair. Yeah. Um... It was kind of funny talking to someone in prison, and I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and I'm just watching a praying mantis <laughs> climb up my window. Stark contrast. Yeah, absolutely. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Um, I read a book last week. Way to go. Um, which means that out of the three weeks in the new year, I've read two books. So I feel, I feel pretty good about that. I've kind of slacked off this week. Are you okay, Andrew? I'm proud of you. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, uh-huh. that was my proud face. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. How is that tequila treating you? Really bad. It yeah, does I not understand. taste good. I I understand. Um before we started recording, I asked Andrew if this is what our 30s look like when we can't drink like we're in our 20s, but we can't afford good booze. So this is 30. I didn't really drink in my 20s, so Right. I, I really missed out, it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> I really only drank at the end of my 20s. The yeah. beginning of my 20s, I really didn't. Hmm. Well, yeah. find Yay, that time machine. Yay, Christianity. Woo. <laughs> Trauma. Well, it's okay. If it kept me from drinking a bunch, that's actually relatively Yeah, yeah. Fun. It is probably, probably um, But I did, I read a book this week. Um, it is called Across the Nightingale Floor. It was written by Leon Hearns, which is actually a pen name for Jillian Rubenstein. She is an Australian author, and this book was recommended to us. Someone was like, oh, you've got to read it, and so they they lent it to us, and so I just read it not knowing who the author was. I thought it was a man because of the pen name, Um, and so Ben read it, and he's yeah, 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 and so I read it, and I think overall I really enjoyed it. The pacing was really interesting because when you really sink into an an in-depth novel, there's a certain pace that comes with describing the scenery and the characters and the dialogue. And this was not that. This was very much like this character went here and this and this and this and this and this this is what it looked like and this is what he did. And then the next day, da-da-da. And so the pacing was completely different. Um... This book is interesting as well because it's set in a fictional world but is heavily influenced by Japanese culture. And in some ways it very much felt like a book that was set in maybe 1800s um, Japan where the there's different clans, different families that are warring. and um, But there were elements that were definitely like fantasy. What's interesting is that 
I thought it was written by a man. So some of the characters, especially the female characters, as I was reading, I was like, I'm not, I'm not convinced. I can tell this is written by a man because this female character does this thing and that doesn't check out. And I, and in the end I did my research and I was like, oh, it's actually written by a woman. So that was, that was really curious to me. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and, and talking it over with Ben, there were a few things that stood out to him as well. And I won't give, I won't give spoilies, but, um, a few things that went, that felt really weird. Um, <laughs> and also the fact that she's a white Australian woman and she's basically writing a Japanese novel. I don't really know where that falls. Like it is a fictional novel, but it is heavily, heavily influenced by Japanese culture. She's basically just created different families and uh, kind of a supernatural element. And otherwise, it feels like it is just set in Japan. So I don't really know. I don't really know if that's cultural appropriation or if it's not. I don't really know what that feels like. Um, But it was an interesting read. I did enjoy it. It's part of a series I don't think I'll read anymore. But Hmm. there you go. That's all you got. Yeah. Are all the characters, like, Japanese? Yeah. Hmm. Like, they have a tea ceremony, their attire, their (coughs) etiquette, their landscape, the culture, the topography, the religion. Like, there's there's just so many things that are just very Japanese. Yep. There really is just fictional places and fictional family names and this fictional kind of supernatural element to it. And otherwise, it's just it's just very Japanese. Hmm. So it's I'm interesting. Kind of, it's yeah yeah. And so it's got me thinking about like, well, what are some like Japanese authors that I can read this year? Because I really enjoyed the genre. And if we're thinking about going to Japan next year, or if we're <laughs> if we're going to Japan at the end of this year, I think that would be really worthwhile to read some Japanese literature. But I'd really like to support some, like, female Japanese authors. Right. Yeah. 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 So it's it's got the wheels turning, at least. I think, uh, without reading the book, <laughs> which <laughs> probably disqualifies me from the conversation, uh, I, I think... Unless there's some gross stereotypes, which I wouldn't think there'd be, but maybe. Who knows? No, um, I, don't, I don't think so. Uh, I, I think cultural appropriation might be a little strong for mm. it, because you can go somewhere and be fascinated by it and, and learn yeah. a ton about it and, and know. So yeah. who, who I, I can't speak on if this author did that, but... Um, but if she did, I think maybe more power to her. I don't know. Um, right. Yeah. It's an interesting topic that, again, yeah. I don't really think I'm probably qualified to speak on. <laughs> right. Well, and it's like, I'm I'm also not Japanese. And I yeah. also, I don't know what research she did. You know, maybe she really did her research. Maybe she, like, really invested. And I know that the author had spent some time in Japan. And so maybe, maybe it's not a problem at all. And ultimately, because I'm not Japanese, like, I'm not the one that gets to determine that. Yeah, sure. It's not my say. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, yeah. But I'm always a little cautious when, you know, there's, there's lots of examples of, 
of fantasy novels or TV shows where there's like cultural influences, but it's it's used in a way to create a different world. Like I think about like Firefly as a TV show. You know, most of the characters, if not all of them, speak Japanese or uh, the excuse me, they speak Chinese mm-hmm. because it makes sense in the in the economics of Earth. China has become this economic superpower. And so everyone speaks Chinese because that is the, the, the dominating culture. And so like that makes sense to me. Like it's not taking on their culture and 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 manipulating it to it's it's going oh well this is actually logical this kind of makes yeah. sense in this sci-fi fantasy world whereas this one felt a little too it was just japanese culture yeah so i don't really know for myself where that line lies sure. um but i think it's an i think it's a an interesting exercise for us to look at you know what's the origin of the story and what what right does someone have to it and what profit are they making from it yeah. So, um, that might be the yeah. uncomfortable part yeah. of it all, the, the yeah. profiteering off of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, these are my thoughts yeah. on the book. Mm-hmm. I'll stick in that, uh, well, not in the Australian region, but in the Asian, Asian part of the world, and talk about a Korean film um, made by one of the more dynamic directors in living today in my opinion uh it's called decision to leave made by uh park chan wook who is also the director of old boy uh and the handmaiden those are probably his two most famous there's some before that as well that um are fairly well known um his his movies, especially the two I just mentioned, The Handmaiden and Old Boy, are uh, strikingly dark and twisty. They are over the top at times, but in a um, I'll use a weird comparison. It feels like how if if anyone and I think most people have seen the Batman from early in 2022 that movie is just dark and gloomy that the batman feels like what all of these movies look Mm. like um including including this one decision to leave is about uh, a detective who's investigating a man's death who who fell off a mountain and and um he starts interrogating the uh, the wife of that man, and then starts uh, starts falling for her, even though he's uh, married. So um, it is it is a genre film. It is a pretty straightforward crime detective drama, but expertly done. Uh, one of my favorite things is when in, in movies, and this will sound pretentious, is when. Um, really really good directors take on a genre that they're never really done before and and it's Mm -hmm. just kind of a straightforward movie in that genre not that there's i mean there's a lot of layers to this movie but it's just like like when uh like when quentin tarantino did 
his his latest movie, or or not his latest, when he did Django, and it was like he wants to do a western, mm. and that's yeah. re- really interesting. And there were a lot of layers to that, but it's also like, oh, cool, it's a western, and and that's really interesting. Or or I mean, there's a number of these examples. So um, that's what this feels like to me, and it is really really well done and just a really good movie you can uh if you've ever seen seven by david fincher i think there's some comparisons you could probably take from that uh and and uh like most uh park chan wook films there's some twists along the way but it's not nearly as I don't want to say breathtaking because the film is is quite beautiful and and breathtaking at times, but but it's it, it won't take your breath away in the surprises, I guess. Um, he he's relying more on on the actual making of the film and the performances, uh, and and I really really liked it. Uh, yeah, um, the the end is really really good. I like that, and, and some of the shots in in cinematography and it is beautiful so uh highly recommend uh mm. if you're into dark twisty dramas and and thrillers uh you could check out uh, i mean i really like the handmaiden that's probably my favorite from him old boy is a lot um it is one of the hardest movies i've ever watched probably mm. but I, it's it's very good as well so Wow. Do not watch the American remake of Old Boy. Do not do that. So. Noted. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Make so sure is it the watch. 2003 version? Yes, I believe so. Not the 2018 version. Correct. Right, okay. Yeah. There we you still go. need to watch Handmaiden. Yes, I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's really something. Okay, good. Yeah. All right. Mm. Next. Rolling right Should- along. Yeah, should I do do one more? Uh, okay, I really would like. Yeah, okay, sounds good. I can save what? one for next week. Yeah, I well, like. What would you, what would what were you gonna say? What would you really like? I really like both of the next two movies I was gonna talk about. So. Oh, okay, then that's fine. We'll just talk about all of them. Yeah, I'll go really fast through one of them though. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, and in that case, I'll talk about minions. Um. <laughs> finally. <laughs> Great. <laughs> we finally watched Minions, and like um, the original Minions or the no, new the Minions new Rise of Gru. Um, yeah, Minions yeah, okay, Rise okay. of Gru. Um, we had just finished that first episode of The Last of Us, <laughs> and I thought there was another episode to yeah. watch, and there wasn't, and so I got real grumpy, and I told Ben, "You have to fix it," and then he was like, "I can't." And anyway, no, he so can. We ended he up, put on Minions. <laughs> Yeah, you put on Minions. So we we ended up watching Minions and I just I don't think I don't think we have enough silly in our life. I completely I agree. I don't think we have enough lighthearted, mm. funny mm-hmm. no reason whatsoever like just Amen. silly, stupid, funny. And I don't think any adult could sit through the minions and and not laugh. I would challenge. I can think of maybe one or two people in my life who could, and that's it. Right, right. Yeah. Like, in the end, is it like 
a cinema masterpiece? Yes. I don't like <laughs> But like is it so funny? Yes. Yes it is. And does it make me smile and make me giggle just thinking about it? <laughs> yes. And do I love Steve Carell doing like a child's voice? Yes. Yeah. I am not Minnie. I am not your Minnie boss. I just, it's, oh. It's really good. It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. I think it says something that, like, Despicable Me and Gru as a character has had a few movies, whatever, but, like, nothing like the success of the Minions. Like, people came for Gru and they stayed for the Minions. And I find that really endearing and really really hopeful for humanity that we love the minions and their silly little latin based language that flips between spanish and italian and french and <laughs> their little denim overalls and the crazy things they do and i love them so much i do too um mm-hmm. yeah uh, just a lot of joy so much joy uh, you I, can't yeah. Always get what you want. Like Shelby said, I'm not. I'm not sure these are good movies at all. Like they might be pretty bad, but but I don't think anyone can just not enjoy them. They make me happy, and Mm -hmm. that's sometimes that's all that matters. And I really think that's all they're going for. So more power to them. How about we? can I just say? Oh, yeah, please. I just took a sip of my drink. It's nearly gone. Oh that my was gosh. the first time it tasted good. <laughs> I'm in gen- genuine shock. <laughs> How about we save the? Uh, I'll just say this on air, right? Who? It's okay. How about we just save the Avatar two talk until next episode? Yeah, probably yeah, okay. because I think that we'll go sense. on for a while about that yeah. one. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, okay, I'll talk first about uh, Armageddon time. Armageddon's a very hard word to spell, everybody. <laughs> uh, that's that's one thing the film has taught me. This is a another one of those directors are making stories about their childhood movies um, or about growing up. Uh, this, this one is directed by James Gray. It stars Anne Hathaway, Jeremy Strong... Um, Anthony Hopkins is outstanding in this, uh, one of my favorite performances of the whole year. And then it stars a, uh, a kid named, uh, uh, Banks Repita. Sure. Um, and he's playing the main character. It's, it's about his life and growing up, he's a Jewish, uh, Jewish boy growing up, obviously in a Jewish household in, um, and. I think it, yeah, it's based in New York, and they're um, it, it again just kind of about his life, and and I think he's in fifth grade when the movie finds us, and uh, he he has a a black friend, um, in a time when it wasn't very common for Jewish or white kids to have black friends, and it's a little bit about that. It's a little bit about his grandpa again, played by Anthony Hopkins, and. Mm. I mean, a little bit about just the pressure of growing up and and what it's about. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a coming of age story, which along with slow burns are are some of my favorite uh, storytelling tropes. And this one really works. It's it's very good. Um, 
one of my, excuse me, one of my favorites of the year, I think. And uh, it, it just kind of stuck with you. It didn't try to do too much and, and uh, just had a good story to tell. So, mm. yeah. I really love Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway is good. Uh, yeah. She she had a rough spell in there for a while, but <laughs> what she's. What do you uh, what? How do you define her rough spell? What was in her rough spell? We were all just ready for a little break. I think. <laughs> um, uh, her rough spell was everything was. She was in a lot of things. She was great in a mm. lot of those things. Uh, I guess that would be in like the twenty tens, like okay. early to mid twenty tens. And okay. then we were all just like, okay, Anne Hathaway, we get it. And, Calm and, now, down. and she kind of took a little break. She wasn't in as many things, and, and she wasn't quite as over the top in as many things. And, and now she's back, and I really enjoy her. Like, she's a very, very good actress. And there's, um, I would happily a, see her in things. There's a lot of things listed on her IMDb that I had no idea she was in. Oh, really? Uh, I'm looking now too. She's, I mean, I think it kind of peaked with her performance in Les Mis, which right. I think is good, but it is certainly a lot. <laughs> like, there's so many things, like, after Ocean's 8, there's Serenity. Well, Ocean's 8 was bad. Yeah, it was, yeah. which was so disappointing. Yeah. There is Serenity in 2019, The Hustle. Mm. Modern Love, Dark Waters, The Last Thing You Wanted, The Witches, Lockdown, yeah. Solos, We Crashed, and then Armageddon Time. I she, had no idea she was in most of those. I I kind of wonder, one, if she took on some like less prominent roles just to kind of get out of the limelight. Uh, right. Some people do that and, and it works great and... Honestly, here I I don't I haven't seen any of these. I don't think you've seen the witches. I <laughs> is she good yeah, in that? We, um, I mean she's delightful. It's yeah. a Roald Dahl story. Oh, okay. Um, which I was not familiar with. Ben has been educating me on, and it is very silly, yeah. and kind of unexpected, and also a little strange. And she really leans into that in a way that I think is really admirable. Like, it is not a, like, dignified, refined mm -hmm. character. Like... That's kind of upper alley, right? Like, she she just yeah. goes for it. No matter what the part is. It and might I be a really, little too much sometimes, but I'd rather yeah, have that I, than the opposite, I think. I really admired her for, like, yeah. going for it. Yeah. Like, she plays a witch that, like, has a crazy unhinged jaw and <laughs> wears a wig because she's Great. bald and has no toes on her feet because she's a witch. And, like, I, I really admired her for, <laughs> for for what she did in that role. Yeah. Um, really, what I think it comes down to is that she was in Storybot's Answer Time, and um, this just looks quite exceptional. I closed out of the IMDb, and I don't think I'm going to go back, but I, I agree with you. It sounds, yeah, uh -huh, sounds uh -huh. great. Sounds like a winner. Um, this is one of her more understated roles, but she's still she's still going for it pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. I love she's, that. She's good, though. She's really good uh -huh. in it. Um, good honor. And yeah, the Anthony Hopkins role is 
It's really good. And some, I mean, these kids aren't super young. I would guess they're in their teenage years. Um, but some very good child acting and performances mm. by them. So good on you. Great. Good on you. All right. All right. Well, lastly, I'm talking about Willow, the Disney show. <laughs> so my my husband Ben is gonna come on the podcast to do the 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 movie draft in a couple of weeks, and I'm not gonna say too much because I want to save some for him to talk about. But um, you can't he, draft Willow. No, you can't draft Willow. But um. You know, if we talk about what we've been doing, whatever, I want to give him oh, a chance. Oh, okay, sure, yes, yes. Um, he he loves the movie Willow, the original, like no one that I've ever known. And yeah. he, we have asked friends to come over and watch it with us. And um, he's been a little disappointed in their response. <laughs> Sorry, Ben. I and would come their... and watch it with you. And their um, lack of interest or lack of um, engagement yeah. with the movie, it's very, very nostalgic for him. And um, he recently <laughs> he asked his mom um, if she remembered watching Willow and liking it when they were kids. And her response was, um, I, I really remember your dad really <laughs> enjoying it. <laughs> She didn't like it either. So I think I think there's just something very nostalgic about it for him. But Disney has made a TV show. Willow, the movie Willow is about a baby with this birthmark. And she's it's prophesied that she's going to save the world from this great evil. They go on this epic journey to protect this baby. And so the TV show picks up where um, the baby has been hidden. She's now grown up. And um, there's some things that have come to pass in this kingdom. There's a princess and a prince, and the prince gets kidnapped, and they go on this epic quest. And then you find out who this baby is, and she finds out that she's this baby. She had no idea. It's this identity crisis. And we really enjoyed it. It has some of the original cast in it, and some of the main themes are quite predictable, kind of a coming of age who am i am i this thing that this prophecy says am i who i think i am there's that princess that you know do i do i follow my duty or do i follow my heart things like that for sure and it's um it has a bit more like adult humor in it than we thought that it would but i think it's really targeted at like young adults that probably grew up with the movie Willow and are coming back to the show again. Been so in it like was four quite... other people in the world. Exactly, exactly. So really, they made this show for Ben. Yes. Um, I, yeah, I think that it was it was fun. One of the characters is quite annoying. I kind of wanted to smack her upside the head a few times, and I think that's probably because we binged it. Um, if you kind of take away take some time away from episodes she might not be quite so annoying there's another character that's quite funny and i i wonder if they just let him kind of ad lib because he's really comical and he says some really outrageous things that i really enjoy so overall we really enjoyed it we watched it over a weekend there's only um i think eight or nine episodes so it's not very long 
And um, yeah, we enjoyed it. That's great. Yeah. Uh, I think Melissa might be starting it soon. <gasps> yes. I'll probably be in the room, so. <laughs> <laughs> Not by choice, but just because yeah, you'll be just, in the room. Just be yeah. in the room and, and maybe <laughs> soak in yes. a, a few yes. episodes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, who doesn't love an epic quest? Right. Well, uh, we might get into that in my mo- in the movie draft <laughs> a little bit about what mm-hmm. movies we all like and what we don't mm-hmm. but like. But mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know. You're not the first person I've heard that likes it. So that's encouraging. Yeah. I yeah. don't know how this series got greenlit or why it exists. I have um, but no clue. That's great. I'm glad it's not horrible. Like, I, I have, truly. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. And I have watched Willow, the original movie, twice since I've known Ben. Just in the last few years. Um, he really loves this movie. Wow. So I don't know if he, like, pulled some strings or whatever to yeah. get this series made, but whatever he did, is, it worked. Is there a large chunk of money missing from your bank account? Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> that I didn't, I didn't even know was there. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who would have thought uh, Willow was the best Disney Plus series of... That you watched it's, in 20... It's, it's probably not as good as Andor, which I quite like, but... Um, right, right. Um, but it's a surprise. For, yeah, for, I think it really everyone. is. I think for everyone, it's quite a surprise. Yeah. Um, it actually has quite a, a, a... Well, a fairly diverse cast as well, which is pretty cool. Um, and there's some... Um, yeah, there's, there's just people represented in it that... Um, that maybe aren't represented in every TV show. And so I, I also really appreciate that. Yeah. Hmm. That's great. Yeah. yeah I'm starting to feel like I'll check it out. <laughs> starting starting <laughs> I, to get there. You're going to have lots of eye rolls at like <laughs> yes, the teenage sure. angst. And yeah. like some of the stuff that Borman, this one character, says. Like so many eye rolls. Um I feel like there's something to like in it, but I don't. I don't actually know if you'll like it or not. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I might give it a try. Um, last on my list, but certainly not least, as a movie that's just coming out in the states, um, like a wide release uh, instead of just in select cities. I think it's just coming out uh, or just came out this weekend. It's called Women Talking. A Sarah Pauly movie, um, and it is uh, very, very good. It, I think it might be the most divisive movie I've seen from 2022, and that uh, someone could see it and absolutely not like it, and I completely understand. Uh, but this really worked for me. It was, it, It's honestly one of my favorites of the year. Uh, it's about... Um, I, I believe it's eight women who, who gather in this barn, but, but it's more in general. It's about women who are living in a, a religious community. You can call it a cult if you want. And um, who have caught the men attacking them, which attacking is, is used a lot in the, in the film. And it's basically a code word for rape. And um, they've caught these men who have said, who are the religious leaders and who have said like, no, these are, these are demons coming in the middle of the night or, and they've caught them. Mm-hmm. And 
have sent them away to jail and uh, have basically 24 hours before they come back released on bail to decide if they are going to fight them, if they're going to forgive them and stay, or if they're going to leave. And that that's what the movie is. It's 24 hours of that. Um, it, the wow. movie is not as 24 hours. The movie's runtime is not 24 hours. It's about, it's under two actually, which great job. Um, and it's, it's heavy, uh, obviously, uh, but it, it's about these eight women who gather in the barn. Who there's a there's a tie in the vote between. Well, I won't I won't give it away. There's a tie in the vote because uh, all of the women voted, and and they've elected these eight women to decide what they're going to do, and the majority of the movie is uh, those women gathering in the in the loft of a of a hay barn. And discussing what what the what the next step is and and what the right thing to do is and it's uh, it's wonderful. It's based on a novel. Uh, it stars uh, the performances are exceptional. Uh, Rooney Mara, oh, sorry, Rooney Mara is um, playing this sort of uh, not a lighter character, but but just this uh, kind of shining light hmm. uh, to everyone else. And again, I, I could kind of see the other side and why her character doesn't work for a lot of people. For me, it, it was uh, just beautiful. And, uh, and then there are very angry characters, as they should be. And, uh, and those were... Phenomenal as well, played by Claire Foy and Jesse Buckley, and there's a, there's a few others. Um, Claire Foy, who's also in the crew. Yeah, and very very good in this. Mm. Uh, so is Jesse Buckley. I, uh, Frances McDormand is in this, but very short, like briefly. Um, she's she's great too. It's uh, I along along with the other tropes I've mentioned in this episode. I really like talky movies. Um, sometimes less so than others, but, but this one is, I mean, it, it's really a little less than two hours of talking. That's, that's basically what it comes down to. Um, there are some really, uh, harrowing, uh, moments and scary almost moments. Uh, it's not a thriller. It's not going to scare you per se but it is horrifying in a way and um mm. and and they uh i mean it, it's just really an interesting way to frame how uh, uh women empowerment and, and what that means and what that looks like and how um how, how these women would handle a very uh, hard situation. Mm. Yeah, it's it's really good. I I think you'll like it a lot, Shelby. Hmm. I I yeah, do I think. Yeah, I want to go watch it now. I do think the movie is very um, stage like. Uh, mm. it, it could easily be a stage show uh, because of the largely one placed scene and because of how much talking there is. Um, the, uh, Admittedly, there's not like a lot of action or anything that goes on. There's some striking little glimpses, but 
but that's mainly director's choice. Um, yeah, it's it's very good. I, I really liked it. I could see it being someone's favorite movie of the year and someone's least favorite. So um, mm. the the one thing I'll say, and, and maybe like, maybe the most divisive part of the whole thing is just how it looks. It's very gray. It's not an easy thing to look at. It's it's um, purposefully shot that way. It it's not pretty. It's uh, not trying to be. And, um, and that again worked for me. I don't think it worked for everyone and I don't know how necessary that was. Hmm. Um, I think. I feel like that's, that's interesting though, right? Because if the whole concept is that these women are standing up against these men that are coming to rape them, essentially, it questions in, in Western society, like a woman's role is to look pretty. Like that's what we expect. So, like, for the movie itself to not look pretty is kind of already throwing in question, like, like, are you entitled to this? Like, are you entitled to, to having something that looks pretty? Like, something that you're used to looking really nice? Like, is it actually its job to look nice? So, I, I actually find that really interesting. Yeah. And it's definitely, yeah. like, a choice. And yeah. for, uh, one, for the reason you just said, two... Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard the director say like, yeah, it's just the, the place is dead. It, it's dead to these women. Yeah. It's, it's dead yeah. to, um, our modern society. It's, um, the, there's some shocking parts of the movie, but again, for the most part, it's, it's about <laughs> women talking and it's, it's a powerful conversation and, and really mm. well-crafted, I think. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. If I was going to say, like, a movie is important, which is, which I try not to say very often, because I think, I think things are important to people uh, for a variety of reasons. But uh, the conversation they're having is elaborate and doesn't try to frame it in a very, for lack of a better term, woke fashion. It, uh, it frames it in, in this religious community fashion. And, and mm. I thought that was really interesting and, and well done. Um, yeah, it, it's good. <laughs> so mm. there's one male character in the whole thing outside of, outside of some, uh, young boys. And, uh, I'm, I'm curious to know what other people think of that character, especially from a female perspective. So, mm. yeah, I think I'll have to watch this one. I think you will too. It, I hope it's not too difficult to find for you because it's had quite a weird release. Uh, they keep yeah. they kept pushing it back, and mm-hmm. it's finally released now. So I'm sure I'm sure we'll manage it somehow. Yeah, you can do it. Yeah. I believe yeah. in you. Yeah, we'll find it. We'll find it somewhere. All right, there you go. That was great. That was a lot of what we did, but um, but you only get one episode this week, so we might as well make it long. And and you know what? It's what we're just gonna talk about what we want to talk about. So <laughs> deal with it. Sorry. <laughs> and next week we'll talk about Avatar two for way too long. So oh my goodness, that'll be like a whole episode in itself. Oh, I hope not. Good. Uh, yeah, I also kind of hope not. <laughs> I, I I quite I actually enjoyed Avatar two quite a bit. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Same, same. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. All right. Um. Yeah, let's let's get to the topic. Let's get into it. Which, uh, 
Well, we both came up with three places. This is a little confusing. I'm going to try to explain it the best I can. Three places that the other person hasn't has hasn't really been to. Maybe mm. has been to, but isn't as familiar with. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. And and then that other person is going to ask. Well, we have one base question, and then we have one extra question about each location. And I'm sure. If you've ever listened to the show before, you know there will be many other questions and, and comments <laughs> about about that location. So, yes, um, yes. yeah, I, I guess the easiest way to play this out is to actually do it. So yeah. we'll we'll get right into it. Yeah. Uh, Shelby, do you want to go first, or do you want to you want to ask the questions first? Um, uh, I can flip a yeah. coin, but I do not have one. I uh, I think that's fine. I can ask a question first. So um, okay, so. Tokyo is a place that you've been to that I haven't. Okay. And I think that in my mind, there's so much in the movies and media about Tokyo that I feel like I would, I would go to Tokyo with a lot of expectations. And I think my fear would be that, like, maybe I have the wrong expectations. Maybe media has played into it in a way that, like, has actually not informed me correctly. I want to go in, not not necessarily with all the answers, but I want to know what to expect. So that way, if there are surprises, they're good surprises. And if if I know what I'm walking into, it's not going to be a disappointment. Yeah. And I think that with lots of these cities, whether it's Tokyo or London or Paris or whatever, they're, they're so iconicized in media. Is that a word? Iconicized? I feel I like it, it should be. It's great. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's something that, like, we see over and over and over again, but I've never been there. I don't know what it's like. So, for someone who's never been but wants to go, how would you describe Tokyo in a way that sets them up to have the right expectation? So, that way they know what they're walking into, they're not going to be disappointed, and if there's any surprises, they're going to be good surprises and not bad surprises. Can I backtrack a little first before I answer the question? Of course. Um... What what do you think of when you think of Tokyo as someone yeah. who's never been there? I think that it's big. I think it's bustling. I think there's lots of people. I think it's probably really overwhelming. I think that it's bold and colorful and potentially loud. And, you know, when you think of a city... When I think of Auckland or Sydney or Seattle, I think that Tokyo is probably on a whole other level. Um, I don't know if Tokyo is walkable. I don't know if Tokyo has good public transportation. I'm assuming it does. Um, but I'm I'm assuming that if I if I go to Tokyo tomorrow, there are going to be times where I'm feeling very like, what the fuck is going on? Like, what is happening? And so I think I think it feels foreign in a way that other Western cities don't feel foreign. So I think, um, yeah, I think I just if someone's gonna go there tomorrow, what expectations do you set for them? I I do think your um, your thoughts on on what it is um, uh, reflect what most people think of it probably. Hmm. And, and they're right. 
um, for the most part. They Tokyo is is the most overwhelming place I've ever been. Not always in a bad way. Um, in fact, mostly not in a bad way. Uh, I did. I talked a little bit about Tokyo in let's see, episode twenty six. In uh, in my trip report from Japan, but it's it's a very hard city to to describe in that uh, it is completely overwhelming, but kind of in a at least in my opinion, in a like oh this is this is cool way it's mm, it's um yeah. it's meant to overwhelm you it's meant to. Uh, be a sensory overload in so many ways and it's kind of a welcome uh at least for me it was i I shouldn't speak for everyone but but it was a very welcome change to a big city uh the public transportation is great the and, and and it's not a very walkable place because it's uh the biggest city in the world basically i mean i mean it's Maybe not by uh, miles or, or, or feet or, or meters or whatever, but but just the amount of people and the the amount of space it takes up. I mean, it's very, very big. Uh, you, you couldn't walk it, but you could um, you could get around on trains very easy. Uh, you could see a good amount of it. Well, no. Let me let me rephrase that. You could see a lot of highlights in one day. Um, mm. You couldn't see a lot of it, uh, but you could see a lot of the highlights. Um, I, I think if you go in, a, a realistic expectation largely depends on how much time you have there. Um, because if you're there to check things off the list and see as much as you can, you're you're probably going to fail no matter how long you're there uh whether that be one day three days a week two weeks if you stay a month there you might you might knock a chunk off but um but there is so so much and and uh, i mean every every train stop the skyscrapers look bigger than the next one and and it Mm. it really has to me I've never been to New York, um, and it's always been described through media or or whatever to me as as like kind of the American dream, right? Like every stop's better than the next, and every mm-hmm. everything will be bigger than you could ever imagine. And Tokyo actually was that, and and I I greatly enjoyed that. It was a, but it. In the same vein, it's also kind of frustrating in that, like, mm. oh, I, I'm spending a lot of time in, in one of 26 train stops, and I would like to go see all the rest of them, <laughs> but I'm really enjoying what I'm seeing yeah. here, too. Yeah. Um, I think the best way to tackle that is probably just one plan ahead, um, and that doesn't necessarily plan every mean plan every second of your day plan some like walking time to just explore mm-hmm. like i think we recommend that for pretty much any city we go yeah but um but plan ahead to do uh, three or four things you really want to each day 
because uh, that is attainable unless unless it's a really big museum or a little bit out of the city. Uh, be, again, because the public transportation is so good, you can get anywhere. Um, so, so I think to go back to the original question, a realistic like idea of the city and, and expectation is just yeah this this place is going to be gigantic and huge um and if you went to kyoto hmm. before tokyo it's going to be kind of the opposite right but um in in my opinion uh, in a beautiful way it, it's it's a pretty clean city at least the parts mm-hmm. i was in and it's a um a bright and vibrant and exciting city I mean there's so much going on so I remember going with Melissa and we went to Kyoto first we went to Osaka before that and and we went to Kyoto and just fell in love with the place and then we went to Tokyo and and I remember asking her like within the first six hours of being there is like did we just go to the two best cities we've ever been to in <laughs> in the span of like 24 hours wow. and and it was a it was a true question i really love the contrast in those two cities mm-hmm. uh, and and i've talked on this i mean uh, i think episode 50 about dream trips uh, we talked about like other places i want to go in japan and and what those places would mean to me or and i i mean i want to go to paris i want to go to new zealand i want to go to so many places but it just i i love the contrast in kyoto mm-hmm. which is the old capital and and then the bright shining lights of tokyo and how much uh, it just it just feels like it represents something that i haven't quite grasped yet um, yeah. Uh, did Wonderful. that sort of answer your question? Yeah, yeah, I think <laughs> okay. so. I okay, think, good. And I think especially knowing like twenty six bus, like 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 train let, stops. Let me right in a city. Like let me double check that number. But yeah, it's but even it's if right it's if that. it's something close to that, like that's massive. Yeah. That's huge. That's not something you're gonna make your way through in a couple of days. It, it's so really think... <laughs> there. There's a line that runs in kind of a circle around the city, called. Uh, sorry, I'm getting there. Um, it, it's called something, but it has. It's in the twenties stops, but there's also another line that runs through the middle of the city and then goes to the outskirts, and there's. There's like like the Tokyo Sky Trees, not in the middle of the city. It's it's a little bit outside of it, and that's like one of the things, the iconic skyline things you see from Tokyo. So there's just yeah, it's there's just so much. It's ridiculous how much there is. Yeah. So, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's helpful. Yeah, um, I do think starting uh, if you're looking for very basic advice, starting in. Um, by Tokyo Station and Ueno Station, if you want kind of older, um, more history-based, uh, starting there is a good place to start in Tokyo. If you want kind of the the uh, more eccentric Tokyo, the the shopping and the and the 
nightlife and everything like that. Shinjuku through Shibuya is, is a, I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, so, so yeah, the, and, and if you're going from like station to station, that's walkable. It's just that the whole thing is not walkable. Right, uh, right. You right. can you can get from place to place. Like if you're going from Shinjuku to Shibuya, you can walk that pretty easily, and, and it won't take nearly as long as you might think. Um, but if you're trying to like cross town, don't don't right, do that. Right. That's okay. a bad idea. So. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, I'm trying to remember our like base question. Uh, because I forgot to put it in the Google Doc. Um, it was if if there is something that you could pick up from this place, whether it was culture, you know how friendly people were, the 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 beauty, the topography, the food, anything like that. If there is one thing that you could pick up from Tokyo and bring into your everyday life. In Anaheim, whatever it was, what would it be? This is tough. Um, there's so much there, and I, I again, I, I feel like I barely scratched the surface. There's uh, so many places I'd like to go. Um, I, I, I'll use a cop out, kind of, and just say the uh, public transportation. Honestly, oh, yeah. it is phenomenal, and. And makes so easy to get everywhere. If I, I imagine the the Tokyo itself probably runs, it might not be quite this big, but it probably runs the distance from like Anaheim to LA. LA is very big, but um, but like Anaheim to LA is is not that far as far as like miles or or kilometers. Um, so if that was that was like an option and, and you yeah. could just make it one sprawling. I, I would love the pu- public transportation, but there, there are a lot of things I love about Tokyo and a lot of things that I am excited to discover because mm-hmm. I, I, I think I said this in our episode about it. Like I don't feel like I planned adequately enough for it. And I don't feel like I saw half the things I wanted to. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed the, the, even just like riding the train around the circle is thrilling to me. Like it's so yeah, much fun. Yeah. So, uh-huh. Well, and I feel like so many, so many places in the States that ju- they just don't have adequate public transportation. No, no, And I would no. say the same here too. Like people really rely on, um, on like personal vehicles. Like yeah. there's not great public transportation and it really makes a big difference in accessibility. It does. Yeah. Yeah. No, we stayed in kind of a, like away from the most popular districts in Tokyo, but it wasn't far. It was maybe like a, a five to 10 minute train ride to where we wanted to go usually hmm. in Atsuka. And I was, I mean, I already brought this up sort of, but I was kind of blown away when we got there, and like, there are these skyscrapers that are, I don't know, like, 20 stories high, and, and it's like, I, I don't know what's going on here, like, who's, <laughs> who's working here? It seems like it should just be apartment buildings, but no, it's it's huge, right. and right. Um, 
and like there weren't a lot of like shops or anything to wow. explore around that area but it was cheap and it was easy to get anywhere yeah and and it was a, a nice place uh, like i enjoyed mm. it i think we paid less than uh at that time which five years ago or so i think at that time we paid like less than a hundred dollars a night for a yeah. two-bedroom airbnb Heck and yeah. and yeah it was it was great um mm. yeah so uh, yeah, the the public transportation is is amazing, and when you get into the big city like that, like even just the stations are are kind of mm-hmm. amazing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's go to Sydney for you. We'll start there. Sydney. Did you want to popcorn this? I assumed we wanted to popcorn this. I think popcorn is great. You love it. I I love popcorn. Favorite popcorn kind of popcorn? Night. Um, I think kettle corn. Okay. Yeah. Good choice. Thank you. Or caramel, caramel corn. But I just love caramel. Yeah. Yeah. Caramel. Um, whenever I say caramel here, I get made fun of. Yeah. People, I think we've talked about this. Yeah. People I have, say caramel. Yeah. I've actively tried to start saying caramel in my life. Yeah. yeah. But I'm like, sometimes it's, it's spelled That's caramel. true. It's yep. not spelled caramel. So that's kind of more like, often uh, than not. Yeah, it's but caramel. Yeah. yeah. No, I get made fun of a lot. It's great. It's good fun. I love it. I'm I'm sure you do. Yeah, so much. Yeah. You love getting made I fun love of. being told that I'm wrong. It's yeah, you favorite. sure do. Yep. Uh, let let's start in Sydney with just like the base question. If you could if you could choose one thing from there hmm. into your everyday life. In New Zealand, what what would it be? The culture, food, climate, topography, activities. Um, is maybe while you're at it, like I think a lot of people who don't live there and have never been to New Zealand or Australia are probably pretty curious how different it is. Yeah, I think in some ways Sydney, Australia is very corporate. The waterfront is very much like the Hyatt and kind of these corporate hotels. It's a lot of mm, business people that go and travel. Um, It's a lot of corporations that have like office spaces. Hi, Charlie. So, and hi, Charlie. There's a, there's a cat that like, (laughs) so sorry about that. Um, so in lots of ways, Sydney feels like a kind of a corporate city, um, in a, in a little in a little cookie cutter. But I will say that like, the Sydney Opera House is extraordinary, and the waterfront like taking a ferry from the waterfront to the Sydney Opera House is just it's just breathtaking. And I think having grown up. Where, like, the Sydney Opera House is such an iconic landmark is, it really makes an impact on you. So, culture felt very, I don't know, it felt kind of like new Seattle. Like, this new, like, Amazon (laughs) Empire Seattle, in a way. Um, The food, you had lots of variety. There was, there was, you know, there's Thai, there's everything that you're after is there. Um, but it's all very shiny and new 
There's new museums. There's, you know, very young artistic designs in museums and buildings and architecture and landscaping. Um, so if there was one thing to pick up and bring into my daily life, ah, I should have thought about this more. But I think Tokyo was hard too. Yeah. I think a lot of it is just that moment of like turning the corner and seeing the opera house. Yeah. I think it's just that sense of wonder of like mm, that's this is a place that I've always dreamed of. Yeah. Which is funny because I live in New Zealand and and this isn't a place that I've always dreamed of. And yet there's so many moments where I like forget. I'm like, oh my gosh, where do I even live? Like I live in the Southern Hemisphere. It's so far away from home. It's beautiful. It has these dramatic landscapes. Like there's so much to it. And so I think I just want that sense of wonder. And I think I want that sense of like I live in an incredible dreamy place. I think Mm. that's what I want. I have two follow-ups, mm. and Lord willing, I remember both of them. <laughs> uh, the first, uh, I'll, I'll go right off of yours. Do you think if you live there, you'd you'd lose that? Do if you could, mm. if you could uh, ferry across there every week, every other week, uh, would that sense of wonder and amazement and awe go away? I think so. Because even so? even when I moved to Seattle, eventually it kind of went away. Not fully. Hmm. And I will say, it took effort for it to not go away. It took intentional thought of like, wow, I've, I've wanted to live here for so long. And now I've lived here for a while. And it still is special. And it still is unique. And I still really enjoy it. And I'm really grateful for it. It took work. For that sense of wonder to not totally go away. But it did become normal and familiar. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. I, being from Seattle, if mm. I can claim it as a home city, um, comparing it to Sydney seems a little lofty for Seattle. <laughs> um, yeah. But I do understand what you're getting at I, I i mean i i there there are certain buildings that i feel like should always have that mm. that sense of wonder no matter how many times you've been there yeah. um frankly when i think of seattle which i don't know why i'm on this tangent but i can think of one spot that always has that that sense mm-hmm. to me and that's gasworks park yeah uh but, but, and I don't know how fair this is, uh, because Seattle has Mount Rainier and, and other things, yeah. but, but I don't think Seattle has any architectural, uh, architectural wonders like the Sydney Opera House. Um, no, no, I don't think so. But or, I think. Or that bay that you can cross, no. right? But, but for me growing up in Southern Oregon. And trying to think of a place that was attainable and yet yeah. was a center of culture and art and music and all of these things. Me too, closest, yeah. Yeah, you know, Yeah, it was we're Seattle. in the exact same boat there. I yeah, think. yeah. We're stepping on our Seattle episode. Yeah, um, yeah, but, yeah. But yeah, no, totally. Mm, mm-hmm, um, yeah. So I don't, 
I, I guess going back to the that question, I, I don't know if um, our sense of wonder diminishes based on how amazing a place is mm. or how fast we can see the flaws in it. Um, yeah. Because I think both of us at this point can see a lot of flaws in Seattle. And, and um, speaking for myself, like I got frustrated with the city, I think, and lost lost some of what we're talking about. Uh, but I guess this is a bridge to the second question I had. We're we're talking about thriving cities in these first two, like Tokyo and Sydney. Are when you think of thriving cities, they are the the peak, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Tokyo, Sydney. Uh, are there others that fit that bill? I, I'm I'm wondering how many really like thriving cities there are mm. in the world as far as this is this is where it all happens right that that's right. the feeling i get from tokyo and sydney mm. are there more throughout the world and are those places that are integral to travel to i can go first if you'd like me to i, I, I mean, can I name I think I can London. Name a few. London, London and Paris. Sure. I, I would put both of yeah, those in there. Yeah. And I think I think New York. Yeah. For sure. Me too. Um I think there might be like budding cities. Yeah. Um I think in some ways so like many. San Francisco is one of those cities. Yeah. Maybe on a slightly smaller scale, but like definitely San Francisco. Um and I think that there's a lot of cities in mm, more Eastern Europe that maybe don't get the quite, quite the same amount of attention in the kind of the Western American culture. But, you know, you think of like Eastern Berlin. Europe and Asia, I, th- I feel yeah, like. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you think of Berlin, you think of Munich, you think of Prague, you think of Budapest, you know, like I think Amsterdam, like I think there's a lot, a lot of cities where there's a lot of really extraordinary things happening or we're like it is of like, that's where it's at yeah and yeah i think i think there's quite a few that are kind of like the iconic ones and then probably quite a few that are maybe a little bit more under the radar but they're still Absolutely. just as much present in that i think it's really interesting i mean we started this little sidetrack with seattle mm. Like being in Seattle in the early '90s when grunge music is happening and Heck yeah. and and the sports scene is budding and yeah. I mean there was so much going on in that. I scene. mean even the beginning of Starbucks, right? Yeah, like exactly. Whatever, however you feel about Starbucks, like it is a movement, uh-huh. and that's where it started. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of these budding cities, but I, I also think there's probably two or three per mm-hmm. continent uh, and maybe Aus- that Australia section mm-hmm. is, is left out of that and Sydney feels like the mm-hmm. city there yeah. Um, but but yeah how, how important to go to all of these cities I, I think again like New York um, you've been to a lot of them honestly uh, New York London them, yeah. London Paris um, mm. I, I feel like Tokyo and Hong Kong it, maybe mm-hmm. there's probably a few more in Asia that are a little harder to uh, figure out if, if what what is iconic and what is mm. what is um, uh, the most 
trend trendy city and all of that yeah. like africa's obviously a little harder to figure out too but mm. how important is it to you to get there versus like just just wanting to go other places and and, mm. and see other things do you, do you care about that at all i like i am drawn to other things just as much as i am drawn to cities you know whether it's it's something that is n- like a a natural beauty, like a you know a mountain, yeah. a beach, you know something like that. Um, cities like Cairo, right? Like mm-hmm. oh, I want to go. Like the history that they contain, the culture that they contain, it's massive. It's massive. So I think that there's definitely a draw. I think that. I think that any, like, well-balanced trip for me has a little bit of everything. And you get some of the city, you get some of the the nature, the the country. And I, I think that's what's ideal for me in any trip that I plan. Yeah. But I also don't feel the need to, to go to these cities because, like, this is where it's at. I kind of feel like I want to go to the cities where, like, where, like th- things were here before. Right? Like, you think of, um, you know, uh, Prague and Budapest and, and some of these cities. Like, you, you think of all the places that, like, Mozart debuted a symphony here. Like, there's crazy amounts of history in some of these places. And it's not necessarily because of what's happening right now. It's because of what's happened before. That's- so, I think... Yeah, I think for a lot of these places, like, yeah, I want to go, but there's lots of reasons why. That's a really interesting point, because mm. I I am, in a lot of ways, the opposite. Like, I want to mm. go to all of these thriving, um, bustling, and and iconic cities. I, like, New York, Sydney, they're all on the list. Um, but when I think about my favorite places I've been, it's... Usually not those, honestly. <laughs> yeah. um, I love L.A. I would put that right on the edge of of that. But it's also not particularly close to my favorite city I've ever been. Mm-hmm. It's it, it, I really like it, but it's not there. Um, and, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's interesting to consider, like, the places we, uh, air quotes, have to go. Or, or, or like are on top of the list versus the places that we'll actually like the most. Mm. Um, and and I, I don't know how to <laughs> how to figure that out. And I think that's w- what a lot of people would like to figure out before they spend thousands of dollars on travel. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, my other question for Sydney was, uh, and I couldn't remember when I wrote this. I couldn't remember how much time you'd actually spent there. So, um, how, first, maybe just answer that. But how much time would you allocate for Sydney if you were if you were traveling there for the first time, or traveling to Australia for the first time? I don't know. Say you have two weeks in Australia. Let's let's go with that. Yeah, I think it's tough because Australia is about the same size as the U.S. Which is crazy. 
We don't it's, think it's, of it like that. Speaking no. as someone who lives in the U.S., yeah, I don't yeah. think about that as all, it's, at all. It's huge. And most of the middle of it is the Outback, which yeah. is, it, it's it's not, it's not some place where there, it's highly populated and there's like cities mm. to go to. So really you're Just kind a lot of, of steakhouses. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> It's, it's a place where, like, you don't hang out very long because there's so many things that can kill you. So I think between Sydney and Melbourne and Brisbane and, you know, and Keynes and Perth and Adelaide, like, you can probably spend a week in each of these places, right. you know, easily. Um, in Sydney, I was there, I think I was there for five days. Four or five days, I think. And there were things that I didn't get to do that I would like to do if I go back. You know, I didn't I didn't organize to see a show at the Sydney Opera House. I didn't go to the zoo. Um, we spent a day at, like, a part of an afternoon at Bondi Beach. But we didn't actually get to have a beach day. So there were certainly things that, like, I kind of touched on. But I didn't get to fully experience. But, like, Bondi Beach, it's just, it's a beach. Like, yeah. it's a beach. Like, that's fine. Um, but the, the, the kind of the town surrounding it is cute. Um, it's not necessarily that vastly different from any other beach town that you would experience. But I think seeing a, a show at the Sydney Opera House, seeing more of the nightlife. You know, I got to go to some of the art museums. I got to see a lot of the architecture. That was extraordinary. So I think five days minimum. And if you're like pumping and you can like get to all the places that you want to go like good on you but i think a week is probably a, a cozier a week there and then a week traveling around yeah to this. Yeah. yeah um and because australia is so big you have to take into account like travel time so i think yeah absolutely i haven't i haven't been to melbourne yet but you could easily spend a week in sydney you could spend at least a few days in perth you know, mm-hmm. you can take a, ta- a day and go to, to Rottnest Island. There's, you know, there's the Blue Mountains just outside of Sydney. There's, there's so many things to do that you could easily take a month for Australia and still not do all the things that you want. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. Do I, am I reading too much into this, but uh, were you not totally blown away by Sydney? Like you, you liked it? You liked the architecture you like the obviously the the water aspect the ferry yeah. and all that but the rest of it you were the rest of it was somewhat at like a standard city like i enjoyed it like I, if someone was like oh do you want to go to sydney like i'd be like yeah sure like i i i enjoyed sorry. it it didn't take your breath away like um like when you talked about paris it didn't take right, your breath away right. quite like that I don't think I fell in love with Sydney the way that I fell in love with Paris. Paris has this, I don't know, this like, (laughs) the architecture in Paris is like, you've stepped into a novel Hmm. and there's, there's so much, and it's not perfect. Parts of it are dirty and you know, whatever. But like with Sydney, it was a lot of, you know, 2000 skyscrapers. Hmm. That that all look the same. Mm-hmm. And, you know, designer shops and good coffee shops and restaurants. And 
Everything that you would expect to find on a really, really classy business trip. Hmm. So I would happily go back, but I don't think that in the places, the list of places that I love, Sydney's not going to be at the top of the list. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I think the way, or, and, and people could describe it as differences in personality hmm. probably, but the the difference in us talking, you talking about Sydney versus me, Tokyo. Like, mm. I honestly, I was frustrated in not spending more time in Tokyo and seeing more of it, where we basically spent the same amount of time right. in each right. city. Um, yeah, it, it, I, mm. I guess that's sort of interesting. And yeah. maybe it's just the size of the places, too, that. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I think. Um... Everyone says that Melbourne is more of like the place because it's like the very, cultural center. Yeah, it's artsy. It's yeah. the best coffee. It's the best craft beer. It's the best food. It's the best of everything. And so I haven't made it there yet, but yeah. um, everyone kind of says that like that is like the cultural hot spot right now. Hmm. So maybe when you're talking about like places that you have to go because like that's the buzz and that's the vibe, like that's Melbourne right now. So yeah. that's on the list. I have to get there. I'm really excited for when that happens. Um, I am too. I'll yeah. meet you there. Okay, great. Trip it to me. Uh, you can sponsor us and we will go yes. there. Yes, yes, absolutely. We'll tell you all about it. We would love to. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Where um, are you going my next? next question you have spent next some time city. in Vancouver, BC. Love it. We've, we've talked about this, and we've talked about how much driving is required just because things are so spread out. Um, my question, which might be, might be a hard one, it might be a very short answer, but what happens if someone wants to experience all of that, but they maybe don't want to do all of the driving? It's, uh, it's actually not... Uh, I have... <laughs> Let me backtrack already. <laughs> I like to walk a lot. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually find Vancouver that bad. Um, it, as far as public transportation, I, it's not on Tokyo's level or, or I would guess European cities level. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm saying that without ever having gone to uh, a European city, but but it is better than a lot of American cities. There's uh, there's lots of trains. Uh, to downtown at the very least, and then there's trains from, or not trains, boats from uh, downtown into uh, northern Vancouver, which uh, sports a lot of their um, more more active activities like uh, like hiking and 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 some of their those suspension bridges that uh, that Vancouver is known for. Uh, I think my last trip to Vancouver, which was, uh, I think we took for an anniversary, if I if I remember right, Melissa and I went up there, and it was a, a beautiful weekend. We had a great time. We we parked at a well, we stayed at a hotel that was just outside of a train station, uh, and it wasn't actually in in Vancouver proper. It wasn't in Central Vancouver, and we didn't take a car anywhere. 
um, outside of northern Vancouver. Um, so so we, if we wanted to go downtown, uh, which is thriving, again, using that word, uh, and is uh, just just a cool city, uh, you could take a train and you, you didn't have to worry about parking or anything like that. Um, I do think like getting to northern Vancouver without driving is pretty difficult. Some yeah. of some of the hiking is is not. I you could pull it off, especially it's a very modern city. I mean, they have ride shares, they have all of that. Uh, you could you could ferry across to northern Vancouver uh, if you were downtown, and then and then take an Uber, and it probably. Um, probably wouldn't cost that much honestly because uh, because everything is not that far away it's just hard to walk to um, mm. and and I will talk about this in the next question but northern Vancouver is kind of a must do if you're going to that city um, so so yeah I I do think it's pretty accessible if you don't have a car honestly uh, if if you're starting from the outskirts of the city uh, and mm. staying at one of those cheaper places instead of downtown, which do it. Um, make sure you're close to a, a trains. Uh, I don't know what they call their train stations. Uh, I assume they have like a, a, a name for their right, public right. transportation. Metro or, or yeah, 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 whatever, whatever. it is. Yeah. Um, but, but stay tri- Look at hotels and try to stay close to one of those. If you mm. want to stay outside the city, if you have the money to stay inside the city, great, because it's a it's a wonderful place. But um, but yeah, I, I think it's a, probably a little more accessible than hmm. uh, some U.S. cities. Certainly, like L.A. or or again Seattle, um, you want to have to. I <laughs> I think there's this under. Um, I think there's this unsung rule that we talk about when we talk about public transportation, and it's like, oh, you gotta avoid buses at all costs, <laughs> um, and and that maybe that's just in my mind, but um, but you can avoid buses in Vancouver, whereas like if you want to get around Seattle or LA without oh, without driving, um, you need to take a bus. So yeah. Um, yeah. that's where my mind goes, and. And Vancouver does have a, a fairly elaborate train, um, train uh, transportation system. So, mm-hmm. uh-huh. great. Okay. Well, that's good to know. That's a surprise. I wasn't. Um, yeah, I didn't think it was so easily accessible without a vehicle. It. If I again, if I remember right, uh, it's. Fairly easy to get to like the waterfront or downtown mm. or by all the stadiums from the trains. Um, okay. It's just certain other parts of the city that I honestly think are some of the most beautiful parts of the city that are a little harder to get to. Mm-hmm. And and from there, I, I would say ride shares or, or, right. or things like that are the easiest mm. way to go. So then what's the your one thing that you would pick up from this city and this, an implant into your daily life? This is the easiest um, location to put this in, and it's the nature, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, mm-hmm. Vancouver, uh, <laughs> uh, we keep, 
I feel like we're knocking Seattle. This is just the, the, <laughs> the, the make fun of Seattle episode. But Vancouver is what Seattle wants to be. And that, and that um, Seattle has all these cool places that are fairly close by. But when you actually look at it, they're really like two hours, three hours. Yeah. Uh-huh. Vancouver, you, you take... A ferry and then you drive like 10 15 minutes or you or you take a ride here and and you're at like this amazing hiking trail or gondola wow. and and these beautiful beautiful um waterfalls or or wow. or whatever okay. um honestly like whistler's only like a couple hours away from vancouver you could yeah. drive up north um but but really and again, going back to these like suspension bridges that cost a little more than they should, but are kind of what Vancouver is known for in a way. Maybe not so in the actual city, but the outskirts of it. Um, they are they are really not far from Vancouver. They are maybe a twenty minute drive from Vancouver. So um, it's it's a wonderful place that is built right on the right on the water and um and it has a park that is uh stanley park that is um like uh i think eight kilometers along the water and just built right along there and it's just beautiful um i feel like that city is at one with the nature and really utilizes it in what the city offers unlike mm. unlike Almost any city, not, yeah, there's a few comparisons. Um, Kyoto comes to mind. San Francisco uses the nature pretty well, but I think Vancouver kind of, uh, kind of uses that. Shout out to the Mm. food too, because they really, they really know what they're doing up there. Very good. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, but, but I guess that would be my answer. It's a, um, I spent... Going back to that trip, I think we spent a, a full day in northern Vancouver, um, parked like right along where the where the ferry lets off at one point and walked around there and then drove up again, maybe like 15 minutes. It was not a long drive wow. and and spent three hours just hiking around at very accessible and easy, if you're not a hiker, uh, trails and, and just had a great time walking around it was beautiful and i I want to call myself a hiker we didn't go up any like mountains or or peaks or anything but um but we walked around and and had a wonderful time and Mm. like there's a gondola around there that area too that if again if you're not a hiker and but want to get to the top you could um yeah i really enjoyed that and then and then that night we took the ferry across and and had an amazing dinner so um Mm. in in downtown i think i think the city's compact enough to do that but also large enough to to really explore the nature around so Mm. i think that's really cool i had someone ask me the other day if i was a hiker and i was like kurt i no it wasn't actually kurt knows better (laughs) <laughs> but I maybe used to be, and now I'm just a person who's very out of shape, who just likes to be at places. Yeah. And that was my answer. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're both, uh, I don't know if you, I don't think you, are, you always were this way, but we're a little more destination focused than 
than some people. Yeah. yeah. I think I, I love the, the sentiment of it's about the journey. And, yeah. and, and it is. And it is, for sure. Sometimes. Not but always. I'm, I'm going to go on the journey to get to the destination. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. All right. Yeah. Next, I guess I guess we should move on because <laughs> yeah. this is getting long. But yeah. sorry, everybody, deal with this. We want to talk to each other. Uh, let's do Baltimore. Let's do that. Baltimore. Um, I feel like there yeah. should be a song for Baltimore, but I don't think there is. I don't. I'm not aware of one. I don't think so. <laughs> let's. Uh, yeah. Let's start again with. I think what. What would you? Take from Baltimore, and because this feels <laughs> maybe like a reach, without really ever been to Baltimore. Mm. I've never been to Baltimore. Um, I'm really curious what you take from Baltimore and put it in your New Zealand life. Yeah, um, Baltimore had this artistic music university young person flavor. Huh. Which, considering the the history of the city and how old it is, I really enjoyed the juxtaposition of that, of like the really new with the really old, and I really loved that vibe. When I was there, I I never would this, have guessed that honestly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when I was there, I stayed in this hostel that was this like old mansion. That had been renovated as a hostel. And there's like a, um, a music... Uh, oh gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm sorry. Um, it's okay. Uh, it's a school, but it's just a more technical term for like a, a really like high level school. But sure. there is, okay. there's a music, a music school there. School. There's an art school there. Yeah. Um, there's a really beautiful art museum there. So like there's lots of like creative people and like creative young people in the city. And like where I live now, like there's young people for sure. But I would love more of that influence here. Absolutely. That youthful, invigorating Let's just approach it from a different angle. Like I would, I would love that here hmm. in my in my town. Yeah, that's really interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I'm frankly yeah. surprised. Um, yeah, yeah. I think Baltimore in the states kind of has a reputation of being like dirty, a little scary. Right. Right. Um. Mm-hmm. Like a place where you don't want to. Be out after dark, maybe. Right, um, right. Mm-hmm. Which is probably unfair, I would imagine. Mm. Uh, I feel in, like maybe in certain neighborhoods, maybe. It's yeah, fair. sure. I mean, yeah, but yeah. but also you could say that about any at least place. in the states about any city, any um, place. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm. uh, great. Yeah. What? How? How long were you in Baltimore for? I was just there for the weekend. I okay. was. It was when I was living in, in western New York, and I was going down to a friend's bridal shower in Virginia, and I think I stopped in Baltimore for the weekend, and then I kept going, and then I, I ended up in, in Virginia. Cool. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I don't, I, uh, I'm sorry, I don't remember this. I don't know if you, you've been to New York a little bit, right? Um, like only the state. Like I've never been to. Not the city. That's right. Yeah, not the city. Yeah, not the city. So I don't know how many of the, the big, um, East Coast cities in the U.S. you've been. Uh, I consider those like New York City, Boston, Philadelphia, mm. um, uh, there's Washington, D.C., of course. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how many of those you've been to, but what makes Baltimore unique to those? Because I don't think people really think about Baltimore when they go. Yeah. Like, when I think of an East Coast trip, I'm, I'm like triangulating like, Oh, D.C., Boston, New York. I want to make right, it to those, right. probably. Yeah. Maybe maybe Philly would be cool. I don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Baltimore's pretty low on the list, honestly. Yeah, and I think that's probably reasonable. Um, so I've been to Philly, and I've been to D.C. and Baltimore. Um, I haven't been to New York, and I haven't been to Boston. So I'm I'm kind of, like, split. Like, I've been to some of the more southern east coast cities but not the northern ones um i always meant to get to new york when i was over there but it just never happened i went to spain (laughs) so i was broke (laughs) um so if you're sponsoring again we want to go to uh new york uh and melbourne boston yeah and melbourne yeah yeah, Melbourne. Yeah, you don't yeah, say the R. Sorry. I'm so sorry, everybody that <laughs> lives over there. But if you don't know what we're talking about and live in America, it's Melbourne. It's, Mel- it's yeah, Melbourne. Um, so, yeah, I think, so I've been to Philly and I've been to D.C. and Baltimore. So Baltimore by far is the most walkable. Um, oh, I remember really? Philly being walkable, but like Baltimore was like very easy to just kind of get around and see lots of history lots of different things the waterfront all of that um dc is is huge like there's so much between the museums the memorials the monuments the white house the like all of it there's so much that and like so much of it is stuff that requires so much time and so it's, emotional thought, I feel like. It's yeah. heavy. Yeah. You're like visiting the monument, like the tomb of the the unknown soldier at right. Arlington. And you're visiting the Holocaust well, Museum. Yeah, exactly. And like, it's like really, really fucking heavy. Um, really, really heavy stuff. And also depending on the political climate of like who's in office and, and what it's like there even in the city. So like there's a lot going on. And... In Philly, it's really cool, you know, it's, it's, it is kind of that, like, old school historic city mixed with this, like, really interesting cultural vibe. Um, we didn't spend much time there when I was there, but, um, Baltimore seems like a really approachable city. So I would say, like, if you're not, if you're not dedicating, like, days to going to NYC or Boston or whatever, if you've only got a weekend, like, go to Baltimore. Like, Baltimore's cool. Yeah. Can you, not to jog your memory too much, but is there like one or two things? Because, like, I don't, I don't know anything about Baltimore. Right, honestly, right. Uh, I think of 
the baseball stadium. <laughs> that's right, like, right, that's right. what I know about Baltimore. So Baltimore, there's the Chesapeake Bay, and there sure. is oh gosh, Fort, ah oh, Fort McHenry. I gotcha. Which is quite oh. cool. Um, which is where if you look out into the Chesapeake Bay from Fort McHenry, it's where the guy was taken captive in the ship where he wrote the Star Spangled Banner. Oh, um, uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. in the War of eighteen twelve, so like very very historic. Um, right. that's pretty cool. Um, but otherwise, like, the art museum in Baltimore is really, really cool. I basically had the whole entire museum to myself, except for when I was in, like, the main gallery area. And I had to sneeze, and I couldn't hold it in. And so I had this huge (laughs) sneeze that, like, echoed, echoed through every chamber of the art museum. And I was very embarrassed, but it was very funny. Very funny. Very, very funny. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's my starting point for Baltimore. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. good. Yeah. yeah I, I, again, like I recognize these names that you're saying, but mm. never would have, I never would have honestly known they were in Baltimore. Unless yeah, you, yeah. Unless reasonable. You associated them. Yeah, reasonable. So, all right. Yeah. Our right. last one's weird. I think both of our last ones are a little more out there than the first four we've talked about. Yeah, a little bit. Um, what maybe is not a surprise to anyone is that yeah. my last question for you is about um, Walt Disney World. Yeah. Um, so my question, before we get into the, you know, the what's the one thing you'd pick up in your life. Um, if someone's going to go to Walt Disney World for the first time and they're going with their partner spouse, person, sibling, whatever, if it's the two of them and they're going to go for a week, what kind of budget do they need to look at to be there for a week and really feel like they get the proper experience, they're not skimping on stuff, you know, they're not having to say no to things they really want to do. What's what's that budget look like? Um... A week is a, a proper amount of time, for the record. I, mm-hmm. I know it's a theme park, um, and I know it's... Uh, I think some people would turn up their nose at that. Uh, but there's there's four theme parks there. There's a water park, there's a gigantic mall, and there's 20-some hotels. Um, it's it's a city in its own right. I... I <laughs> not to... Not to uh, totally just plug my own stuff. I do have lots of, uh, lots of posts about this on wanderingindisney.com. Wanderingindisney.com? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which I honestly am looking up right now, uh, because I have the price laid out, but, um, it's, it's, <laughs> and I, as someone who loves theme parks and, has uh, made a money off of writing about them. Um, it's more than it should be right now. <laughs> it is more expensive than going to a big city. Honestly, mm. it's it's very expensive right now. Um, for two people, I would guess the price would be um, probably about. 
before before factoring in airfare, I'll, I'll leave that out. Before factoring that in, I, w I would guess the price would be right around 2000 US dollars. Okay. Which is actually not as bad as I thought it was going to be. But that's not factoring in like airfare, um, yeah. which does cost quite a bit at times uh, to get to Orlando, which is the worst airport in America. Um, anyway, <laughs> that, that's a topic for a different day. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll give a quick breakdown. The cost of tickets, I would say get five or six day theme park tickets. Um, that's a park per day plus an extra uh, one or two days depending on what you decide um, so you can visit things that you liked um, because you, pr you probably won't get to everything. Uh, Disney World is very, very big and like if you had a month there, you probably wouldn't get to mm. every every single thing. Uh, you would get more than enough, but you, would, you wouldn't get to everything they offered. Um, so you probably want five or six days in a theme park. That alone would cost about $800 for two people, mm. about $400 per ticket, maybe a little bit more. Um, then you factor in hotels, and if you want to stay at somewhere really, really nice, um, then that costs a lot of money, honestly. It's it's three to four hundred US dollars per night. Always look for the discounts. They will have them, but um, but that's that's on the lower side, like three or four hundred dollars. You can stay places um, that are still on the resort uh, that are Walt Disney World owned and will have like transportation to the parks and back, uh, you can stay at, at the cheaper hotels, and some of them are enjoyable. I, I particularly like Pop Century. Um, that's a hotel there, and, and probably costs $150 a night, but it could be less, uh, depending on the time of year. Like, any, like anywhere, um, the price fluctuates. If you go in the summer, it's going to be really expensive, because mm. everyone travels in the summer. Um, if you go in like late September, probably going to be pretty cheap because, yeah. or, or relatively cheap because no one really travels then, uh, the kids are in school. So, um, yeah, these prices really fluctuate, but, but say you want to stay a week in the cheapest hotel, that's, that's probably going to be like a thousand dollars. So, um, that's how we get to $2,000 and honestly, that's before food. So, so you probably need to factor in, it's probably 2,500 would be, uh, a more fair price to put it at. Um, you can find deals and if you're interested in them, email us at tripatumi at gmail.com and I, I will share my very best tips with you. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's. My, my biggest problem with the Disney Parks uh, Company or, or Disney Parks Division of the Disney Company is is how expensive things are for a family of, like, say, four right now. Like, mm, it's, yeah. it's almost inaccessible for even, like, middle class. Yeah. It, and that's pretty discouraging um, because... I, 
as someone who loves going to the theme parks that they were they were made for a lot of different people not just mm. the elite or or the elite is the wrong word but the the wealthy um yeah uh, yeah it's it's really too bad but um if if you could if you want to I guess that's not in the spirit of the question. If you want to blow it all out and have an amazing time at Disney World for two for a week, uh, factor in three thousand dollars. If if you want to just like make it there, <laughs> yeah. uh, I think like two to twenty five hundred dollars USD would be good. Um, I'm looking at how much that is in New Zealand money um, mm-hmm. right now. So yeah, there's here. There's your answer, I guess. Wonderful. Yeah, that's, it's actually a, it's actually a lot less than I thought it was going to be. 2,000 USD to New Zealand dollar right now. 2,000 United States dollars is uh, about 3,100 New Zealand mm, dollars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I, I have so many tips. We could do a whole episode on this, of course. Uh-huh. But... Uh, that there's a lot at Disney World, and the it's one of those places where um, you could splurge on so many different things that I would be very cautious on what you splurge on versus mm-hmm. what you don't. Uh, again, if you want advice, let me know. But like some of the park day stuff that they would offer you that you could splurge on, I wouldn't say that and and I would say maybe like do one one extravagant night in one of their really mm. nice hotels uh, instead of doing that or or go to some really nice meals instead of eating theme park food every day um, right. yeah so mm. I, I, I think there's a lot of factors in this uh, more than we can probably touch on in this yeah in this like 10-15 minute segment mm. about it but um, but yeah yeah, that's that's where I fall. And and this is an interesting question because Disneyland is like one. in your backyard. Yeah. So if you were to pick up something from Disney World and incorporate it into your daily life, what what would it be? Uh, it is it is a little tough. Um, honestly, I like Disneyland more. Uh, mm. not just because it's in my backyard. I like the the theme park. Disneyland itself more than anything at Disney World and and I like um, I like where it sits versus Orlando which yeah yeah not not my favorite place um, but if I had to pick one thing from the Disney World Resort and put it in where I live I, I think I'd pick the the amount of dining options. Hmm. Uh, I have. I honestly have two. Can I? Can I answer twice? <laughs> yes. The amount of. Well, I'll stick with that first answer. The amount of dining options at Disney World is phenomenal. Some of them are very, very good. Honestly, and you wouldn't think of that. Uh, people don't consider that when they think of theme park food at all. And mm. uh, they think of corn dogs, which, yeah, they're great. Um, or, or like. Uh, beignets or, or whatever else Disneyland is known for. Uh, Disney World has so many restaurants. Like every single hotel, which is 20 plus, 
has a has a nice restaurant and then and then the theme parks probably have three or four fairly nice restaurants inside of them some serve better food than others but there's i mean there's so many options on places to eat and um i've had some of the best meals of my life there and and that's not um it's somewhat surprising because it's in a disney owned or theme park owned property but but like they they really are nice and sometimes overpriced but very very good so um i i would pick the dining just because uh, around me is a lot of fairly generic food um uh, and taquerias i love taquerias <laughs> um and then i would also pick the hotels in disney world it's astounding mm-hmm. how much land is at disney world it's a huge place it's bigger than it um it's roughly the size of san francisco which is a a very large city um and they own all of it and they the hotels there are are uh different degrees of a very nice to um to like extravagant uh, some of the architecture is is quite wonderful Whereas in Anaheim we have uh, we have a few Disney-owned hotels that are are beautiful but cost way way too much, and then we have a lot of rundown hotels, and it's not the prettiest setting. Mm, um, yeah. and, and I think that goes for a lot of cities. Honestly, it's yeah. just there's some beautiful hotels and that are in prime locations, and then and then you get a little further out there, and it's it's just not very pretty. Disney World is unlike anywhere you'll probably ever go because it's so big and there's so many things, and and um, the hotels are are all different and somewhat exceptional, but also like why do they cost this much? And it's just a whole lot of things to consider and a whole lot of. Um, it's just brain overload mm. at times when you try to factor in the value of it uh but it is interesting and uh and and everything is made with a purpose so mm. i i guess i guess i like that better than the accommodations around disneyland right. resort right because at least there's some sense to it yeah yeah mm. and it's mm. and they're fun to walk around or fun to bus yeah. around the public transportation public transportation is good there uh mm-hmm. yeah it's cool and free um hey. so yeah all right yeah uh, disney world disney world is a uh, location we could talk about for a while <laughs> i feel like yeah i feel like that's untapped territory on this podcast <laughs> yes all right last one last one Shelby's just just barely in there, I think. <laughs> <laughs> just staying Don't away. know what you're talking about. It yeah. can't possibly be the half a glass of rum that was consumed earlier this night. Can't possibly be that or your uh-uh. very long week of work. No. No, I don't know what you're talking about. Everything's fine. I'm having the time of my life, Shelby. I could go another Same. three hours. <laughs> yeah, but and, you don't sleep in general. 
Well, I would like to. You're so good at not day. sleeping. I am not good at not sleeping. <laughs> um, we're going to Botswana with this last one. Botswana. Uh, do you have one you'd like me to ask first? <laughs> uh, I don't. I'm, I don't. I don't think I have any preference. Just go um, for it. Well, we'll start with the the other one. What, what would you hmm. wish to pick up from this? Location and, and put into your everyday life. Yeah. Um. So when I when I went to Botswana, um, uh, so we had been in Zambia for the last basically three weeks, and that that time in Africa had been spent kind of getting to know people, being in people's homes, building relationships, kind of all this stuff, doing some tourist stuff. And then we, we went over the border to Botswana, and it was just for a safari for a day. And it was in a, a essentially, a, a, what was it called? I should look it up. Um, it was essentially like a, a wildlife reserve. So it was a, like a protected park. So these animals were under the protection of, of the state of the country. Um, poaching is a problem when it comes to rhinos and elephants and lions and all these things. And so the idea behind this park is that these animals are not in danger, that hopefully it prevents them from being endangered, from being poached and hunted and all these things. Um, and I think that sense of awareness of these animals are finite, as a resource, they're finite. As something that we should protect and look after, they're finite. And I think that I think that I would like to adopt more of that in my life. And I think that being in New Zealand, it's been easier to. It's highlighted a lot of things about, you know, we are stewards of the land that we live on. And not just because we're, you know, the dominant race, but because... We only have one planet. And not only that, but some of these species that we're seeing go extinct, like they're not going to come back. And so some of it is for the sake of our own health and the earth. And it's for the people that come after us and all of this stuff. And also so that we can be like fucking decent human beings and not just senselessly do things that kill other things. So I think I'd like to adopt more of that, this sense of, of stewardship and responsibility and and not just consuming and destroying and taking advantage of what's there but really actually looking after what's in my backyard and what's here and and um and and being a bit more responsible with it that yeah hmm very good no follow-ups no no notes (laughs) That makes sense. Um, and then you said you took a safari in Botswana mm-hmm. when you were uh-huh. there, a one-day uh-huh. safari. Yep. I've never been on one outside of a uh, 30-minute one at Animal Kingdom in Disney World. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think it's an adequate way to see a region of a country or is it a far different touring experience 
um, that that doesn't really give you a feel. It just shows you animals, <laughs> I uh, guess. Yeah, yeah. Like it just it just shows you animals for sure. Yeah. Like our time our time in Zambia was like I I I could never even if I wanted to, but I I, I don't. But if but even if I wanted to, I can never remember erase the memories of you know, the, the homes that we went to and what the landscape looked like and what the people had to survive, like what the lands looked like. And in Botswana, it was totally different. The memory of that day is like going through border control and then getting on these Jeeps and going to the park and sitting in a cafe and going through the safari. And a lot of the employees that we talked to, like, sure, like, they're Botswanan, so, like, they live there, but, like, this is their job, and it's it's such a tourist destination that, like, we didn't see people's homes in Botswana. We didn't see, we didn't experience local cuisine. We didn't, we didn't see what day-to-day life was. It was just a tourist experience, like, and, and incredible that I got to see a, a lion in the wild, yeah. and, and elephants and yeah. you know gazelles totally. and like crocodiles and how cool um but that was all about the wildlife and it was not at all about the people and the culture and what their life experience was like so and and i think that you know whenever you visit a place there's always you know, you can go to an art museum, but that doesn't actually mean that you know what art is happening in a city at that time. Yeah. You know, it's almost like you've got to walk around the city and see what graffiti's happening. What are the murals on the buildings? Like, what are what's happening in this city, in this art space? And looking at the art space, looking at what are the things that they're pushing against? What are the boundaries they're trying to break? You know, like... Going through a city, there's there's so many ways to pick up on what are the struggles of this people? What's the culture? What's the vibe that you don't get in a tourist experience? And even though it was Africa, like it still is exactly the same thing. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, uh, well said. And and hmm. yeah, I don't I don't think I have anything to follow up there, but. Um, something I think a lot of people are probably pretty curious about the differences mm. between uh, safari and and like actually going and exploring a, a city yeah. or, or a place in Africa. So yeah. All right, we've probably gone on far too long. So um, <laughs> thank you for staying awake, Shelby. And, oh, my pleasure. Uh, it's been uh, it's been a wonderful time with you, and uh, thank you for everyone who's. Uh, listened this far. I don't know why you listened this far, but I appreciate it. Are you talking it. about Andrew? This is highly relatable content. Hey, I, I think there's some good stuff in here. Maybe. I really think so. If you think so, email us at tripittome at gmail.com. If you don't think so, then uh, uh, we'll talk to you another time, I guess. Never. I mean, <laughs> we'll we try did again. Touch- we did touch on four different continents. I think that's quite impressive. Four continents and like eight shows or movies. Yeah. And, and uh-huh. there's a lot covered tonight. So much. All right. Uh, we'll be back next time talking about something <laughs> different. We don't know yet. And uh, we hope you we hope you'll enjoy that just as much as you hopefully enjoyed this. So uh, thank you again for listening. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everybody.
Bye. Bye. Yep. <laughs>